All right, before I get to my next guest, Sue Weger, I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Positive Vibes Golf. Check them out online at PositiveVibesGolf.com and follow them on Twitter at PVibesGolf. Their head covers and putter covers are a unique way to keep your mind focused on positive thoughts and, and a great on-course training aid as well to stay positive and uh, you know happy images in your, in your mind. Again, you'll see what I'm talking about when you go on their website or you check them out on Twitter. Again, PositiveVibesGolf.com. And this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at Two Under. I want to remind you about our friends over at Two Under, Men's Performance Briefs, the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour. Worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Toms, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, which is another story. And your girlfriend and her wife is going to love the side effects, a visibly enhanced profile. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact, providing less chafing, more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market. Use code ONTHET20 to save 20% off your order at twounder.com. And that's the number two, UNDR.com. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Sue Weger. And let me uh, give you a little bit of background on Sue. She is the owner of her own Golf Instruction Academy and has been so for the last 20 plus years and the executive director of Lifetime Golf Connections. She is the director of education of uh, yoga for uh, golfers as well. She is the author of a wonderful book, Golf, The Last Six Inches, Change Your Brain, change your game and you guys know how much we talk about the mental side of the game well sue is an expert at that and i'm very honored she is back with me again tonight here on next on the t hey sue thanks for coming back on the show absolutely chris thanks for having me so sue i want to start by going back and reminding our listeners about how you got started in the game because it's been a minute since you were on the show and you've got a pretty unique story take us through how you know you you got uh, involved in the game of golf, and then uh, really from quite from uh, out of nowhere, as I recall. That is true. Uh, I was a <clears throat> a multi-sport athlete growing up in Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, didn't know golf. My brothers uh, kind of uh, played a little bit here and there, but believe believe me, when I when I found out that they were playing, I'm like, oh, that's just kind of a boring sport because I was playing everything else: volleyball, basketball, softball, and tennis, and Enjoyed doing that through my college um, first two years, and then I've um, I eliminated a couple of sports because, as you know, as a college athlete, you just can't do four things, four sports, <laughs> and try to keep your grades up. It's pretty difficult. So um, I was very competitive in basketball and softball, and my senior year, I uh, was waiting to graduate. Well, I was gra- I've already graduated from college, and I was just waiting for my teaching position back in Omaha to start and coaching basketball and. I got hurt in playing competitive softball, and um, I was a lifeguard at the time and just kind of hanging out, waiting for my teaching job to start. And my one of my college roommates called me up and said, hey, come work for me. And she goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just being a lifeguard. And she goes, well, come down right down by the golf course. I'm, you know, I need, a, I need somebody to work. And I said, well, I don't play golf. And she goes, you don't have to play golf. <laughs> she goes, just, just be my beer cart girl. And I did not know what that was because I was not involved in golf at the time. So I said, well, is it an outside job? She said, yes. You just get to drive around a golf cart and serve 
you know, drinks and snacks to golfers. I said, oh, I could do that. That's that's not difficult. So um, I started just watching players playing. Oh, so this is what my brothers do. You know, you hit it from A to B. And um, I got curious. And so I went down and lost and found and picked up some clubs and uh, picked up um, a good old bullseye putter. And to this day, I still have that bullseye putter and I still play with it because it's just a it's just a, a phenomenal putter in my mind anyway. And uh, I started playing and I just fell in love with it. And I stayed in Nebraska for six more years and teaching. Uh, I was in, started as an amateur. And so um, my first amateur tournament I played and I shot 84, 88. And I thought that was terrible. <laughs> I thought it was terrible because I was a competitive athlete thinking I should be able to just shoot par right away. So I struggled with that in the mindset in the beginning. <laughs> but everybody was like, wow, you're really good. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> you know, it's just your perception, your expectations. And uh, so I just fell in love with it and uh, played in state tournaments and finally got into the championship flights. And, and then I thought, and I kept going back to the every summer for those six years, I enjoyed going back to the golf course. And so instead of being a beer car girl, I was kind of an assistant, you know, golf professional. And I just enjoyed being around it and starting learning the game, you know, from scratch. I would, I never really had an instructor and the other uh, athletic sports just definitely transferred over into, into my golf game. And then I turned professional at the age of 30, which is really, really late. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, if I don't turn professional now, I'll never do it. And I moved from Omaha to Charlotte, North Carolina, and a, uh, a great golf professional named David Baco, and uh, you know, took me on as a what do you want to call it, as a non-golfer or a golfer that was not in the industry, but I had a you know a, a college degree in education, and he said, yeah, we'd love to have you. And so I went down to Charlotte and started my career and played the mini tours uh, back in the early '90s, back in the North Carolina. South Carolina, Florida area, but at that, at that time there was really not much opportunity, really in regards to many tour players for player for for females. So I went the PGA route and uh, went to the business school one, business school two, and um, took me about three three I think it was four times before I passed my player's ability test for the PGA because back then it was we pretty much had to play from the same distances as the men. They just gave us about a five stroke differential. So it was pretty difficult back then, um, but now it's changed and it's a lot better. And um, I just didn't enjoy, you know, touring because there was just no money in it. And, you know, you had to make make a living. And so I said, well, I'll just fall back into into teaching. And I love teaching. And I moved from Charlotte, North Carolina to Phoenix, Arizona, and like a couple of years later and started working for John Jacobs Golf Schools and worked for them for about three years. And then I started my own business and um, basically 1999 and the rest of it is history. <laughs> so I'm blessed to be able so, to do so, what uh, I love, what I love to do. So, so there's a lot there that I want to get into at a, at a deeper level, but I got to start with a bullseye putter. Are you really still using a bullseye putter? I am. I love it. I, I have a super stroke putting grip on it, but everything else is the same. <laughs> I absolutely I believe me. Wow. I've worked, you know, I've yeah. I know. I play in a pro am with Betsy King, and we both laugh because she's still using her bullseye uh, putter is that today. Right? Yes, she is. Yep. Next time you see her, wow. talk to her. But yeah, 
she's still using hers and we both laughed and I you know I told her a story behind my putter and she just laughed and you know it's just but yes it's true I absolutely love it it's got the sweetest sweet spot that you can ever imagine <laughs> <laughs> indeed you know it's funny it was when I pull it out people were like what is that because a lot of people don't even know what it is. <laughs> and when they find out what it yeah. is, I'm like, that should be up on the wall. That shouldn't be in your bag. It should be hanging on the wall. And I'm like, no. <laughs> That's <laughs> <in my great. laughs> One of the other things that you, you mentioned, Sue, was transferable athletic skills. I mean, we're in a time when, you know, particularly junior players, right, are, are, are focused on one sport. They're, they're in travel baseball. They're in track all year round. They're, they're, they're playing basketball all year round. You are such a well-rounded athlete. You mentioned you played volleyball, basketball, softball, tennis, and then ultimately over to golf. Talk about how those mm-hmm. athletic skills and the ability to play all of those sports helped you be a better golfer. Well, the first thing is, is just every, you know, you, you think about the four different sports, volleyball, basketball, softball, tennis, Softball and tennis are rotational sports, so that definitely transferred. Um, the basketball and the volleyball really, I think, in regards to uh, teaching people about balance, teaching, you know, uh, motor skills, you know, moving. Because golf, you know, people think golf is a stationary sport. It's not. <laughs> As you know, it's a very dynamic, explosive sport. And, um you know, especially with our juniors today, as you're right, there's a lot of people that just put people in a box and say, okay, we're only going to do this. And um, most juniors that come to me don't have the motor skills because the physical education and the the opportunity for them to learn motor skills are not there in schools anymore. And um, so it's it's a shame. It, but it's a, I see it as a disservice what's going on, you know, in our education system for sure, especially coming with coming to juniors coming to my lesson tee that, you know, I have four and five year olds that parents want to get into the game, which I absolutely love. Um, however, their motor skills aren't ready. Um, so what I do is we have fun. We, we, I have, uh, soccer balls. We have softballs and baseballs and bats and, and, and whiffle bats. And we have lots of things that we do, um, to help them uh, learn motor skills. And then we incorporate that into golf. And my, one of my favorite drills that we, I should say games because it's really not even a drill is, you know, we have sword fights with noodles with my little kids because it teaches them. They take put two hands on it and we just fight like, you know, like you're having a sword fight because it teaches them balance. It teaches them rotation um, and the fun little things that when we, you know, talk about transfer of weight, we talk about, you know, squishing the bug. We talk their language and, and such such. Um, like a handshake grip. We don't talk about grips. We're like, oh, how would you, you know, shake my hand? We have we have fun little um, different terminology for the juniors. But as far as motor skills, it's like it, uh, I tell all my parents, you know, get those kids into as much as they can. Play different sports. Please do not let them just play golf because they're not strong enough. They don't have the good balance, the coordination, the rotation yet. Um, so I I just tell everybody my story. It's like it's it's. It makes so much sense to have, um, you know, multi-sport um, background and experience because the body, um, as you all know, you know, juniors, they're all developing. So we need to teach them motor function because, I mean, just look at look at our U.S. major champion, Gary Woodland. He's a prime example 
he played all the sports going up and played basketball all the way through college. And, you know, he's been, you know, the late bloomer coming out into the PGA Tour. I just love his story. I love him as a human being, love his story. And it's just, that's just another example. And it's just like, please highlight that. <laughs> that he was a multi-sport athlete coming in before he, before he joined the, you know, the tour. And Sue, so we, we talk a lot on this show about the mental side of the game. In your book, again, which is titled Golf, The Last Six Inches, Change Your Brain, Change Your Game. And it's a great book to help us think better and to think differently about uh, the game of golf. Talk about some of the things, some of the concepts in there from a mental approach that we should be doing differently or better. Yeah, the first thing is, is the first chapter in my book is why. You know, why do you want to play golf? Um, because people play for different reasons. And, um, you know, they're, if, they play, if they're playing for the right reasons, their emotional intelligence is kind of tagged to that. And what I mean by that is when you have a thought, you have a, a thought that comes in of why you want to play. I mean, I have people that come up to my um, uh, lesson tee and they're, they're older ladies and I ask them why they want to play. And they say, well, my husband played. I never see him. And I said, well, let's talk about that because that's not a really good reason to play golf in in that sense because, you know, what's, what's it going to be in it for you? Um, and, for example, um, the other thing is we, you know, we talk about in the sense that um, when people come up to listen to you and I say, well, you know, that's the first question, why do you want to play? And everybody has different reasons. Some of them, some juniors want to play, you know, they want to get a college scholarship or um, they want to play competitive or they want to play with their girlfriends or their boyfriends or whatever it may be. Um, you know, why do you think the why is so important, Chris? Why do you think the why is so important? So for me, the why that I like to play golf, it's, uh, it's for the camaraderie with my buddies. I mean, it's a competitive right. piece and we, we're out there trying to beat each other's brains out. But, but, you know, along mm-hmm. the way, it's the, it's the place that we have so much fun together, needling each other and, uh, getting to hang out and spend time together. It's sort of a, you know, wrapping all that together between the competition and the camaraderie. That's why I mm-hmm. love the game. Yeah. It's, it's about the relationships that you have with others. And that's your why. And that's important because how does that, if one of the questions I ask when I do a lot of my retreats and workshops is what if golf was taken away from you? What if all of a sudden if they just closed all the golf courses and golf was not in, was not around anymore, what would you miss most? And you probably must just so answered for, it. And like you, yeah, yeah for you, I what would the you opportunity do? to be t- yeah, so I, I'd miss the opportunity to do those things with my friends. And and just being a fan of the game, you know, boy, I sure would miss watching the guys out on tour and the ladies out on the LPGA tour and the things that they're able to do because mm-hmm. I marvel at them for how easy they make the game seem and, and that sort of thing. But it would be a big hole in my life if it wasn't there. Right. And I just and, and that's why we kind of dig deep down into the whys in the sense because if you remember why you play, on the days that you don't play well, you'll still enjoy the game. And that's, people go, oh, I never really thought about it that way. And, yeah. you know, if you, if you cherish it, that, and it's simple in thought, but in the sense that, you know, if you, if you just remember why you play, and when you're standing over the golf ball, and remember why I'm just out here to have fun with my buddies, you'll actually play better because your authentic self shows up more. And when your authentic self shows up, your skill sets come out because you're not self-sabotaging. You're not getting yourself, you're not um, stepping in the way of yourself. 
And that's what self-sabotage is all about. So a lot of people that, many of my reviews that come back and where people will call me and say, I just absolutely love the first chapter of your book because it's about the why. And then they just get like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's the, yeah, that's, that's the first thing. And then we just, we just talk about um, your thoughts create emotions and your emotions create your actions and your, and your decisions. And that cycle of thoughts, emotions, and actions can, the only thing that you can control is yourself, meaning the only thing that you can control is your thoughts. And we just, we dig deeper in regards to, you know, where's your thoughts coming from? Your your thoughts are coming from your own self-belief. And then we dig deeper a little bit into understanding your subconscious is where your self-worth is and where your self-beliefs are because of all the conditioning that you've had in your life and everything that you've anchored um, throughout your life, especially when you were a child from um, the time that you were born to seven years old, they're just sponges. Child Children are just sponges between between those years. And, you know, self-confidence and self-worth and self-image is buried in your subconscious. And those first, first seven years come from um, those experiences that we have in life. So if you were an abused child, you're going to have a lot of fear and a lot of guilt and a lot of other things that come up. And it's, it, those emotions have a lot to do with how you're going to re- how you're going to react or respond to different situations. And so we just talk about that relationship. And um, but the nice thing is is that the the first thing that you can control is your thought. And you know, there's we're wired for fight or flight. We're wired for negativity. So we have to, I don't know if we mentioned this to you before, but with negative thoughts, for one negative thought, you have to have five positive thoughts to neutralize it. That's what neuroscience studies tell us. Five to one. So can you imagine that, Chris? Wow. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So it's crazy. It's, it's, when you talk about negative thoughts, right, and, and you're right, on the golf course there's a place where those things are, are flying into our brains, you know, all the time. How do, how do we do a better job of doing that? You know, keep keeping the five to one ratio or to keep those negative thoughts. Cause you know, I mean, nothing scares you know me more than having to hit a bunker shot because I get in there and I'm the first thing I think of is don't hit it fat. Don't scull it across the green. I don't think, Hey, I could make this shot. Mm-hmm. That's one of the good things that, that my friend Debbie O'Connor always tells me, you know, hey, you, every time you step up to the ball, you should think, you should think, hey, this could go in. But for most of us, it's all the bad things that could happen. I could, you know, we're out in the fairway, or I could hit this in the trees, or I might top it, or I might hit it fat. How do we do a better mm-hmm. job of not thinking that and thinking of thinking more positively? I think that it's it's easy in theory, <laughs> but not easy. Um, and the first thing is just self awareness. It's like, you know, what are you thinking about? Well, I'm thinking about missing it. Okay, so what's the opposite of that? You know, most people are focused on what not to do, and we need to train our brain to do what we want it to do instead of the not. So right. um, so the what I teach is was a focus language in physiology. So focus number one is focus on what you want. and in order to focus on what you want, your self-talk has to change. So if you understand that self-talk and that in, internal voice saying, you know, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to leave it in the bunker or I'm afraid to, you know, hit it over the green or I'm afraid, blah, 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 whatever the story is, 
we have to just start listening and become very self-aware of what our thoughts are. Um, and then we, we just shift it and we shift it and we have to say, okay, well, what, what do I want? And it's the same thing on the first tee. If you're standing on the first tee and your focus is on the water on the right and the sand bunker on the left, there's no way. Well, you could, you know, execute a good shot, but the brain's going to either manipulate away from either the water or the, the sand bunker. And we're going to minute, uh, manipulate that swing and our authentic self and our authentic skill set's not going to show up. So that's the first thing is we got to, we got to just be very well aware of our self talk and focus on what, focus on what you want. Um, the second part is like I said, language, which is our, um, uh, is our, is our self talk. What am, what are you, what are you saying? You know, in the sense that do you have a belief system that's always comes out negative in the bunker? It sounds like you do. We need to change that, Chris. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, <laughs> I need your I need your help with the bunker shots and the three to five foot knee knockers. How do I get my brain okay. to do the right thing? Help me with that. Right. Okay. Um, like I said, the first thing we're going to teach you is to um, focus on the right thing. Focus on what you want. What do you want? And if you just said that, yes. I mean, like, okay, uh, if you're on the bunker and you say, I just want to get out, that's okay. Cause that's the first level. It's just like, you know, with a beginner, what's the, what's the first thing you want them to do is just, just to get out. And then if they're like, Oh, I have some success and I just want to get out. I just want to get out. So like if you were standing in the bunker and you were just talking to yourself and saying, I'm just going to get out. I'm just going to get out literally in that language. And then your physiology, meaning your body believes it. So think about another situation that, what are you really good at in, in golf, Chris? It's the first thing that comes I to would mind. Say like, my, hey, I got this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a pretty good chipper. Okay. So what do you say when you're standing over chipping? Chip shots. What do you notice? Yeah, I guess I, yeah, I guess, you know, what I, what, what's, what's going through my mind is I'm going to hit this close. I'm going to get this close. That's right. Yeah. So you have a belief system. You're like, oh, I, I I've got this, you know, or I'm going to hit this close. Okay. Yeah. And how does your body feel when, when you're standing over a chipping shot and when you're talking about that? Yeah. When I you guess have good I'm pretty relaxed over that shot. Yeah. Yeah. You're relaxed. you're relaxed. Okay. So that's your physiology. Yeah. That's what we mean by your body. And your language is like, yeah, I got this. I'm going to hit this close. Okay. Um, your, and your focus is on what? On hitting the ball close. On <laughs> The ball position yeah, and where the pin is. Yeah. It's like you've got your focus is on what you want to do. It's n yeah. there's nowhere, nothing saying that um, you're not focused on the not. You're focused on what you're going to do. Yeah. So we just train that in that those three things, focus, language, and physiology in, in your pre-shot routine. And if you're standing over a ball and you have out of those three, if something comes up negative, we get out of it. You know, it's you have to train pre-shot routine and um, your thoughts and your emotions just like you train your putting mechanics. But most people do not train that. You know, what what does most people do when they want to get better is they go to the driving range and work on their full swing or they'll go to right. the putting green and work on putting. But they're not working on their mental state of it. They're just standing over there working on mechanics. No, I mean, as, as you mentioned, Sue, you know, the idea of getting out of it. So when we when we've had a poor shot, and it's going to happen every round, right? We're going to have we're going to have a poor swing. Yep. We might have a bad hole. How do you get out of that negative mindset? Like, 
and not continue to beat yourself up and leave it in the past so that when you go on to the next tee and, uh, and you know play from there, that you don't let that carry over into the next several holes. Yeah, we teach we teach our players how to close the shot, just like you close the door. It's it's an anchor, and it's a physical anchor usually. Um, you know, you'll see some tour players take the glove off between the shots. That's an anchor of closing the shot. It's like, okay, I'm done with it. I'm going to take my glove off. I'm going to walk to the next shot, and I start over, and I'm going to open up a new door. It's a whole new shot. You know, you hear all the time, you got to play one shot at a time. Well, you cannot play one shot at a time if you carry the old shot with you. So um, my juniors, I teach them how to flush the toilet. <laughs> you know, what I mean by that is <laughs> they literally, once they don't like the shot, I teach them to go just take a little step behind and pretend like they're flushing something. And they love it because once they flush it, it's gone. And now they can move on, you know. Right. So there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways that you can uh, you can do it. People will, will um, you know, um, when you anchor. That's why we have to teach our players how to anchor good shots, because what does most people focus on after the round? Think about that. What do most people yeah. focus on and talk about it after the round? Oh, it's, it's usually the negative. It's a bad haul. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. If I, if I only, if mm -hmm. I didn't do that, if I had done this, you know, then this would have been different. You're right. We, mm -hmm. we do, we bring that with us. Yeah. That's that focus of the knots. Okay. And if you're throwing that into your sub subconscious and you're talking about it and you're emotionalizing it, which means the higher level of emotion you give to a result or a thought, the more that's going to anchor in your subconscious. So if you are filling up this, let's say there's an empty glass, and that's the bottom of the glass is your subconscious. And you keep putting in negative thoughts into that glass over and over and over again. What are you going to keep getting? Yeah, you're going to keep getting that same thing. So we teach our players yeah. how to anchor it differently. And that's a post-shot routine. And literally, there is a post-shot routine because you have to teach, your, teach people to like, okay, that shot's over. Whether or not it was good or bad, the shot's over and we're going to, we're going to move on. But we also teach our players that when you hit a good shot, let's celebrate it. What are you going to do? You know, emotionalize it. You're going to neutralize it. Because um, some people are a little bit different the way they anchor. And that's what's so personal about golf is pre-shot and post-shots are personal. They're individualized. They get to. It's your creative process in regards to a, a, a pre-shot routine and a post-shot routine. You get to be creative with your player and like, well, okay. So how do you want to, how do you want to close a shot? What do you want to do physically? to change the state and let go, let go of that shot. Take the glove off, maybe go over there and tap your bag with a club. Like was, that tap means the club means that shot's gone or put the club in your golf bag. That shot's gone. You know, take your glove off, flush the toilet, whatever it may be. But we have to teach <laughs> <That's right. laughs> We really have to teach them to close the shot. It's over. We can't do anything about it. And the right. best players and the best, as you know, the best players are the ones that have the best of, um, what do I want to say? They're the, you know, the master of doing that is they can let it go. They're not bringing it, they're not bringing it up, bringing it on and staying. And they're just really good at staying in the present, not thinking about their score, not thinking about the last shot or last or not even thinking about the front nine versus the back nine. Um, that's the difficulty in, in regards to uh, where I think, 
people just don't train. Um, train they don't train their brains. They're train they're they're training their mechanics over and over and over and over again. But as you know, golf is a um, you know is a dynamic sport, and every shot's different. Therefore, we have to train our brain to start over because it's different. It's not as you know, it's not a tennis court where the dimensions are the same and the racket's the same and the ball's the same. Everything's different. So we have to be a master of, of you know, you, I'm sure you've heard this with Vision 54, but a master of variability. The, the variables in golf are just enormous. And we just have to be the, the master uh, master of that. But we have to train it. And most people don't train that. They just train mechanics. And that's where they have a difficult time figuring out, like, well, what happened? You know, what happened with that shot? Where'd that come from? Yeah, right. Well, Sue, before we let you go, let our listeners know now that you've wet their whistle and they, everyone needs to get a copy of your book. Talk <laughs> about how they can do that and then follow you both uh, online and on uh, social media as well. Yeah, you can find my book, Golf, The Last Six Inches, Change Your Brain, Change Your Game. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's still up there in the really nice ranking, so it's easy to find. Um, you can find me at Sue Weger, which is W-I-E-G-E-R, golf.com. Uh, or you can uh, go to my Facebook page, which is uh, Sue Weger Golf Academy, and you can look me up through there. I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona, and um, just enjoying the heat these days. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> but uh, I travel around and... Um, do workshops based on change your brain, change your game. Matter of fact, I'm actually actually in Nebraska uh, this week doing some workshops and working with some clients. And so if you've got a group that wants to uh, come on down to Scottsdale and in the winter when it's beautiful out, um, just contact me and we'll put a program together for you. Well, Sue, thank you so much for coming back and uh, and being a part of the show again tonight. It's uh, it's been great catching back up with you and having you here. I hope you'll come back and uh, and keep us up to date with all the great things you're doing because uh, a lot of what you uh, said I know resonated with me and I'm sure with all of our listeners as well. So, thank you for being here tonight. Thanks, Chris. Absolutely, anytime. And um, I hope to see you uh, see you now. Where are you based out of, Chris? You're based out of out Atlanta. Of- out of Atlanta. Okay. I'm in Atlanta. Yep. Hopefully we'll play some golf one day down there. I hope so too. Thank you so much. <laughs> Take care, Sue. Okay. All the best to you and your family. Thanks, Chris. Have a great one. You too, Sue. Thanks. That's Sue Weger, W-I-E-G-E-R, SueWegerGolf.com. And again, uh, the book is absolutely fantastic, folks. And uh, there's a couple of great things that, that she talked about, sort of bookending the conversation. Find your why, right? Why do you like the game? That's something that uh, our good friend Cindy Miller has talked about as well. But why do you want to play? Why are you playing the game, right? And uh, and that's a, that's a great uh, way to kind of get yourself launched into playing the game better. And then again, uh, the, the name of the book is uh, Golf, The Last Six Inches, Change Your Brain, Change Your Game. And uh, all that negative self-talk. And we talk about that on the show here all the time, but we got to find ways to keep that from creeping in. And, and uh, even though we talk about it all the time, it's still something that bothers me. Like I say, don't get me in a bunker. Don't give me a a three to five footer because that's where the negative thoughts start creeping in. And I've got to train my brain to do it differently. And uh, like Sue said, you know, what do you want to happen? Right. That's the thing we've got to figure out. 
and say to ourselves, what do you want to happen? And uh, I love what she said in there towards the end. Can't play one hole at a time if you bring the last hole with you. And that's something we've all got to do as well is, uh, is flush that toilet and leave it back there and then move on to uh, the next great shot that we're going to hit. So great having Sue as part of the show. Looking forward to having her back on again uh, real soon. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the T. My sincere thanks go out to you, David Abelese, Andy Lano II, and Sue Weger for joining me. And, uh, folks, thank you so much for, uh, for being with us again tonight. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net. On there, you'll be able to stay up to date with uh, our guest schedule, see who we've got coming up, and uh, be a part of the show. Uh, I also want to mention our friends over at launchpaddm.com. Folks, go over to launchpaddm.com. We're featured next on the T is featured right there on their homepage. Give us a, a like, give us a, a click on there and subscribe to the show. We really appreciate that and your support for doing that. You can also find the show on great sites like Podbean and Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, and Player.fm as well. So, folks, thank you so much for being a part of the show again with the uh, this week. And uh, like I say, we can't thank you enough for making us a part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. <laughs>